This episode of That Dust Suit, Madam, is brought to you by Bing Brand Frozen Foods. Visit the food hall on the ground floor as peas are down today. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hey, unanimous. Hey, Jeff. Me, ma, moo. Are oh, you practicing your diction? Uh, how now, brown cow? <laughs> we got to do those vocal warm-ups. We're going to be talking for an hour here. Yes, because um, this is the episode where we learn how to speak um, like, like a TV announcer. We don't know anything about that here on the podcast. Now, do we, Jeff? And how to enunciate your vowels. We're going to practice some vowel movements. No, <laughs> some vowel movements. <laughs> Where's my marbles? I uh, Oh, I had four marbles on the bus, and when I came in, there's only three now. Oh, good. Yes, this is a fun episode. This is cute. Like, they're all cute, but this one's neat. I think I like the idea of everyone competing. So, but we'll, uh, we'll in case you've not seen the episode, we'll, we'll, we'll catch you up. Don't worry, unanimous. Yeah. So... So speaking of unanimous, we got a lot of super fans out there who are interacting with us on the internet. And so we want to welcome Sean to the fray. What's up, Sean? And a big thanks to super fans Michelle and Jeff Y, the other Jeff. They both, they all get a little ding. Yay. That's for helping us figure out, for helping us figure out what, uh, Mrs. Slocum was saying when she was talking about the Ruda, she's actually talking about someone's hooter. But there was a little bit of liaison from the R and the U. Not that hooter. Not that hooter. What does like a, a hooter nose, mean? A, a nose, a schnoz. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. last episode we were like, is it Polari? Is it Cockney rhyming slang? What does it mean? And everyone at home in the podcast land were just shouting at their radios because we all assume you listen to this on like... Uh, on the wireless. On a wireless like, Bakelite 1930s uh, radio. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so thanks for the uh, for the info. Um, and Sean's waxed poetic about his love of the podcast. So um, thanks, Sean, for that. And uh, Michelle and Jeff, the other Jeff. So thanks, guys. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so, thanks, ladies and, and everyone. And everyone. And everyone and people who are of, of no gender identification. And, of course, we have our, our new belle, Gladys. Hello. She's very happy to be here. We had a uh, democratic event people didn't we unanimous where <laughs> the people spoke and they chose the one i didn't choose but that's fine i don't hold a grudge gladys is happy to have a name so that's good well speaking of democratic events we've got one coming up here in the states in about 91 days give or take 91 days so please make sure that you check that you are still registered to vote that they did not take you off the rolls while you're at it Wash your hands, wear a mask, and Black Black Lives Lives Matter. Matter. And you know what? What's really cool, if you know anyone who's 17, you can probably get them to register, because if they're 18 on the election day, they're good to go. So get your friends and family and folks uh, registered to vote. So that's good. 
So what's going on now? So we, what episode are we on? Are we on like the last episode? I don't know. There's so many of them. No, not by a long shot. This is uh, season three, episode eight, which is New Look. Ooh. Um, and it premiered on April 17th, 1975. Uh, it's Take us back, Jeff. It's technically the last episode of the third series, but there is a Christmas special which aired in between uh, series three and series four. And okay. so we'll count that as series three. I next have week. always been curious. It's this weird thing about British TV shows like Doctor Who. Um, uh, that's the only one that I can think of. But they have like, oh, um, wasn't there a Christmas special for Downton Abbey even? There must have been. Ab- Ab Fab, Ab, uh, yeah. Catherine, so the what Catherine is that Tate about? Show. Why we don't have them Christmas specials in the states? Now we have a worldwide audience, so the people in Britain are just rolling their eyes, I guess. But what's, well, what is that, it? That's I don't, I don't know that that's ne- not I don't know that that's necessarily accurate. I mean, we do have Christmas specials. Like we'll have a very special episode. The sitcom family is celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever, yeah, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Uh, and there'll be shows that air on Christmas Eve or um, Christmas Day, um, but it's usually not like a revival of an old show because remember that our series will used to be tied to like the academic year. They would run uh, for 26 oh, for, for episodes. people with, in school kids and stuff. Oh, okay. They would run for 26 some odd episodes between September and May. Not like British shows, which run for six episodes and then it's off for a year. So they want to like kind of bring it back at a special time to, re- to remind to the remind people to like, hey, we still have a show. We still exist. Yeah. Oh, OK. Well, that's interesting. Oh, that, that, that explains it. That's and cool. also keep and also keep in mind that the traditions around Christmas are different in England. Right. You know, so in it, it, there's, you know, Christmas Eve is very much going out to the pub with your friends and maybe um, uh, a meeting with your family late at night and then going to midnight services. And then you have Christmas lunch the next day. But, you know, like the, the pubs are open both Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, whereas bars may or may not be here. Right. It's not really hmm, that. I didn't kind think of about that. Thing, yeah. Right. Whereas here, like, you know, um, Thanksgiving, bars are open Thanksgiving night for people who are, like, tired of their family or whatever. <laughs> they could do that. And so it, it's probably, like, a very family tradition for those people who, um, you know, when they're sitting with the Christmas lunch to watch a little bit of the telly after and see the, the Catherine Tate Christmas special <laughs> the or the Fab Christmas special yeah. or whatever, you know? You know, it's funny because, like... Um I remember hanging out with friends and they would be great big uh, Doctor Who fans. And, you know, I kind of got into it, although my heart belongs to already being served. Don't worry. Unanimous. Um, but they would have like, oh, the Christmas special's coming on. or And it just feels like this weird little dangling participle episode kind of thing <laughs> where there's like, it's not right. in one season or the next or series. It's, it's just a special. special little little One off. Yeah. yeah. But that's next week. This week we're talking about New Look. New Look sounds like a fabulous hairdresser's place. Um, so take us back, Jeff. What was going down on the week of 17th of April, 1975? So that week in the news, uh, National Airlines, which was later acquired by Pan Am, started No Frills Air Service, uh, where passengers would give up their right to have food and drink served to them on the plane for about a 35% reduction in airfare. 
And they paved the way for other American no-frills airlines like Southwest and JetBlue. But I didn't think stewardesses wore frills and as flight attendants. <laughs> I thought that was only the women's counter well or the Grace Brothers. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Could you, could you imagine that the, the flight attendants had to have a number of frills for how many years <laughs> they'd been? I love it. I'm now going to have to find an image of like... British Air, British Airways flight attendants, flight hostesses with frills, with frills just to yeah. satisfy myself. Yes. So um, also that week, a chorus line premiered at the New York Shakespeare Festival and okay. India launched their first satellite. Ooh, OK. I had no idea that India even had a space program. Um, well, they have a satellite program. Yeah, I guess they do. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah, it's really neat when you learn about, like, satellite technology and, like, we don't even think about it, but it's a big deal. Like, we wouldn't be able – you wouldn't probably not be able to listen to this podcast if those things weren't flying around. If in it orbit. weren't for artificial satellites. Yeah, it's yes. crazy. So, all right. So, let's see. We have uh, a new look. Uh, do they all go to Madame Barrels and have go a beauty salon session? Or what, what type of new look is this about? So even though last week they just redecorated the women's department, it's all new wood. It and looks exactly the same. And apparently did the gentlemen's department. Um, they, they need um, – they, t- they talk about redecorating the store in, in order to improve the image. But I also think that this episode was filmed out of order, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But anyway, so there's quite a long setup until we actually get to that. Like, the entire first act barely touches on the plot of the episode. Yeah. Um, But anyway, uh, we open with Mr. Mash, who's scrubbing out a new water fountain in the center display stand. Um, and I had forgotten that this was the one with the water fountain. You know, I remember it. I always remember it about uh, being used to distract Captain Peacock. But I <laughs> yeah. remember it being a much bigger ruse, not just to get, you know, Mr. Lucas off the floor for two minutes, but something like the horse raping, racing episode. Yeah, right? I, it's weird because I knew there was the episode with the fountain. And I always remember thinking it looked really cheap. But now as an adult... It looks really cheap. Clearly, it, it was like a plastic fountain, like a like a little tadpole pond that you put in your back garden or something that's meant to be on the ground in your back garden in England. But now they put it on like this weird pedestal. So it just yeah. looks really strange. And they, they tart it up with a bunch of like busts of Aphrodite like ladies and stuff. But And then that weird pump, the, the pipe thing is like... It's a garden the, hose. It's, it's a, garden a garden hose. hose. Yeah, it's not the greatest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, here I think in the states you would probably find that in some uh, banquet catering hall, glazed ceramic wares. Anyway, the other thing about this episode that I got confused about was I I thought I remembered um, more of the staff auditioning. You know, we later on we'll see that Captain Peacock is reading from his script in Mr. Rumble's office, but I I feel like I remember we got to hear everyone else's audition. And yeah, I'm trying to remember what other episode I could be confusing about. Well, with. I mean, for all we, it's, it's weird when you, because we are taking such, such love for each episode and really diving in, you kind of realize that as your memory for the last 20 years or whatever, uh, since you probably saw these episodes when they were airing on PBS way back in the day, or even you know, if you're from Britain when you yep. saw it way back when, um, your, your mind, mine anyway, my mind like kind of makes them all into one story. Do you know what I mean? Like one episode. Like I'm watching Star Trek The Next Generation, and it's so slow, but my brain remembers it all as one big episode where everything happens. So 
It's funny how your mind kind of forgets stuff like that. Maybe I'm confusing it with the takeover where they all have to pretend to be the shareholders and they start kind of doling out the parts in Mr. Rumble's office. You know, it's funny because I was chatting with um, superfan Julia, who said some very nice things about our last episode, shoulder to shoulder, soldier to soldier. <laughs> um, so thanks for that, uh, Julia. I appreciate that as always. Uh, but she was saying that is her favorite episode. She cannot wait for it. So the like, takeover? Yeah. So it would be kind of cool to listen to hear from the unanimous listeners out there. What is the one that you cannot wait for? I'm with Julia. I think that's maybe one of my favorite ones because I love it when uh, Mr. Humphrey says, oh, me auctions. And then he runs into like, you know, <laughs> so good. But anyhow, so if you want to let us know what your favorite episode that you cannot wait for us to cover, uh, 662 Peacock and let us know. Yeah. So it's raining outside, as it's wont to do in London, yeah. and Mr. Humphreys arrives wearing a pink shower cap as a rain bonnet. And I tell you looking- what, I was, I was struck at how quickly, the second he stepped that little wingtip off, of ele- off the lift door, the crowd went crazy. The audience was like on their feet, snapping and clapping, and right? I was so shocked All it takes how- is a rain bonnet. Oh my God, a little pink, that's all they want. Yeah. Um, he, he couldn't get his hair wet in the rain because he had it in curlers for the wedding tomorrow because uh, Roger asked him last week. And Mr. Lucas asked, well, isn't it a bit too soon? Shouldn't you try living first, living together first to be sure? I'm the best man, right? It's so cute. I love how Mr. Lucas doesn't even flinch. He's like, oh, I didn't know you guys were getting together. When's the happy day? He's totally a supportive straight ally, Mr. Lucas. Yeah. Good for him. So um, – I thought it was I thought it was kind of cute that the uh, the writers used Roger uh, as a potential name for what Mr. Lucas thought was Mr. Humphrey's fiance because uh, I find that Roger is a trope for a gay man's name. It's one of just one of those names, kind of like Bruce, that I feel in pop culture is kind of thrown away as a ar- archetypal yeah. stand-in. Well, for over any gay over man. in Britain, like to what is the verb Roger? Could you touch that delicately? As one yes. usually does in this situation. Well, when you're Rogering someone, you are the opposite of delegate, uh, delicate, um, because it means to have rough sex, <laughs> and it's and it's not um, it's not restricted to rough gay sex. Um, and the verb actually comes from shelta, which is the cant that is spoken by Irish travelers. Uh, speaking of Catherine Tate, Lauren Cooper would call them the Pikes which is a slur. Um, but uh, this is a, another example of a cant that, you know, we're, we're talking about. This is uh, spoken by not necessarily an ethnic group, but a, a, a social class. Like a community of, of some kind, like a nation yeah, like, or something. Like, like Polari is a cant because it's oh, first by circus folk, then by thieves, then by gay people. This is by um, the travelers. We have anyway. to have an episode on Polari. That's such a cool topic. Yeah, but it was interesting that, that um, Jeff mentioned to me um, you know, Roger is a re- there's a reason they chose that name, and I didn't realize. Oh, because over there, the word Roger, like people instantly think of like sex, like raunchy kind of sex, right? Yeah. Just like the, when they hear the word ginger, they associate that with gay. But we don't because we just don't do Cockney rhyming. That's why all of these weird little jokes and stuff, there's so much behind them, which is cool that we get to kind of dive into it. Like when I watched all of yeah. these episodes, I didn't know what the hell, why are they laughing? Like the cami shirt. What the hell is that about? Anyway, we'll get uh, to that. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> um, but besides Roger and Bruce, I think there are three other very stereotypical um, names for gay men, as Olympia Dukakis would be ready to tell us. 
All gay men are named Mark, Rick, or Steve. And they all have good drapes. Isn't that, isn't that what she said? Track lighting. Track lighting. Uh, well, drapes. And we like lamps <laughs> and track lighting. Yeah, that's from uh, Steel Magnolias. Yeah. Very good movie. Uh, so Mr. Lucas steps on the hose, that is, the garden hose that is connected <laughs> um, to this fountain. And he realized that the, it turns off the water. And so it starts making him want to go to the bathroom because he's seeing like the, the rush in the water. So uh, Mr. Mash, uh, he needs to hide the hose um, to because it's a little unsightly to have this green cord running across the floor. The so health he, and safety he, inspector would not be happy with that. Uh, this would not be OSHA compliant. No. So this is a trip hazard. <laughs> um, so he rolls out the Grace Brothers red carpet in case Lizzie needs to be buy Philip a new pair of white friends. You know, because she'd do the shopping and then go to Harrods and pick up right. some ham and things. And um, <laughs> Mr. Humphrey's comments on the carpet, oh, isn't it soft underfoot? Must be lovely being a queen. I love it. <laughs> hysterical. Hysterical. Isn't it soft? Isn't it soft underfoot? That might be one of those are you being servedisms that means like that person's gay, right? Like if you and I are at a bar and some like guy walks in and I say, isn't it soft underfoot? I think you would know that means, oh, I think he's gay, right? <laughs> I love now, it. Now, th- now that you've said it, um, <laughs> first of all, I sincerely hope that we'll ever be able to go to a bar oh, again. bars, um, yeah. But um, I don't think I would have picked up on that unless we had made that connection. Must be lovely now. being a queen. <laughs> That's what you could right. respond as. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Captain Peacock arrives and Humphreys goes, oh, look, the White Hunter. Um, you what's know, I, that all about? Yeah, I had to look that up because I noticed that, uh, that Mr. Humphreys often does this in episodes, but um, Mr. Lucas does sometimes. Um, I don't think anyone else on the show, but they'll do something like someone will make an entrance and then they'll say, oh, look. Um, such and such character from you know, the Snow White Media. and the Seven Dwarfs. And then everyone in the audience kind of chuckles, and then they just quickly move on. And it's a lot of a lot of time, almost every time actually, whenever they do that, it's a reference that I have never heard of. And even as an adult watching this again, no, I have no idea what it is. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to look it up. I'm going to do some research. So Mr. Humphreys, as Mr. Pe- as excuse me. Oh, I'm so sorry, Captain Peacock. Is I'm sorry, Captain Peacock. As he four stars. I know four. There goes those reviews, people. Three now. Oh. Uh, and it's all Captain Peacock, like, <laughs> amending his reviews of the show. Um, <laughs> anyway, so he's descending the steps, and he's wearing, like, a trench coat, like a classic British um, khaki-colored trench coat. And Mr. Humphreys looks up, and he sees him, and he says, Oh, look, the White Hunter. And I thought, what is this? So I looked it up, and it's, it's a TV show from 1957. It only ran two seasons. Made in the UK, and it's about like some white guy who runs around Africa um, hunting, like a game hunter, big game hunter, right? Is it is it like a nature series or a documentary, or it's is like it a like TV a scripted? Show. It's a, a scripted it's, drama or something. A scripted drama, yeah. So I looked it up, and back okay. in the fifties, like TV and movies were all hot about Africa for some reason. I don't know why. Well, probably because, I mean, like Captain Peacock, he served in the NAFI and, you know, what's now <laughs> Libya and Algeria. Yeah. Um, people came back with From stories the of this place, yeah. of the desert. Yeah. But it, I, did some, I did some research, and a lot of, like, there were movies with, um, oh, Rhett Butler. Is that his name? Rhett Butler? Or is that, no, no that's that the is Skull with the Wind. Character. What's his name? What's the guy's name? The actor. The one who played Rhett Butler? 
Yes. Oh, I'm blanking. That guy. I, I, anyway. I, anyway. That guy. So he, he was in a movie where he's wearing, like, they call it a safari jacket. I didn't know uh. what the term was. And it just kind of gives people a worldly kind of look that was really popular in the 50s. Kind of to your point, Jeff, like, all these people came from the war. They were in the desert hunting Rommel, blah, 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 like you always hear Captain Peacock <laughs> saying. So anyway, so he has this. And I, that's what that's about. And what's kind of cool is if you think about the age of people watching Are You Being Served in 1975, in 1957, they probably were about eh, maybe in their 20s, 30s, because if you think about the target audience of the show, Are You Being Served, it's probably someone in their 40s or 50s. Wouldn't yep. you say? It's not like super hip, 19, like 20-year-olds. No, this is not the show for them. So by Well, I, I think the target audience is also 13-year-old gay boys. Well, yes. 50 <laughs> years, 40, anyway. 35 years later. Um, exactly. But, like, that's what – it's kind of cool that the, the writers knew that if we mention the white hunter, the folks watching in the audience – audience and, will get and it. They'll, they'll know, yeah. oh, yeah, that's right. So I think anytime you hear, oh, look, it's the lost tribe or, oh, look, it's blah, 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 or Mr. Mash will say it sometimes, it's – probably a show from the 50s and it's a little wink and a nudge to people who are probably tv fanatics of a, of a certain age we're yeah. we're one of you is what that's saying so that's kind of cool i like it so it's it's not easy to get a taxi in the rain um says captain peacock as he arrives where they're questioning that he's a little bit late and i thought oh this is he's proving he's got to prove his station that he's above the rest oh, of the staff yeah. but it turns out there was actually a breakdown on the tube and you know, he couldn't, he couldn't get to work, so he had to, to get into a cab. Um, Mrs. Slocum and Miss Brahms arrive with the same excuses, um, and Mrs. Slocum lets us know that it's a wonder she's here at all because my pussy got soaking wet. Poor tittles. To which Mr. Humphreys rolls his eyes. He's not even, like, winking to the um, breaking the fourth wall. His eyes almost not, popped out of their sockets. And she had to dry it out in front of the fire before she left. Um, Poor tittles. Poor Tittles, yeah, indeed. We um, haven't met Tittles yet, have we? We don't. Tittles doesn't even have a name. Uh, no. Uh, yes, the very first episode he's named as Tittles, but uh, well, the, the first episode he gets named in, but he has to cross his legs. Oh, that's right. right. Oh, that's you right. You don't find so out good. that Tittles is a girl until she gets up the pudding club <laughs> by that Burmese next door. There are so many references. If you don't know what we're talking about, just just stay on, stay with us. Just hang we'll on. Get there. We'll get there. So, um, <laughs> Mrs. Slocum has to dash off to the Luke because she sees the water fountain running. And Lucas wants to go too, but Peacock can't let him off the floor because Granger isn't in yet. Um, in comes a customer who sees the fountain, and he also needs the loo. So, this is going to be a little bit of a button later on. Yeah. So, um, loyal listeners, you know what's coming up next. This customer uh, is played by Felix Bonus, and he is part of the... Croft and Lloyd um, Troop. Um, he was on Oh, Dr. Beeching, You Rang My Lord, Heidi High, and Dad's Army, which were all written by Croft. Um, mm-hmm. This actor does show up again later in um, Season 6, Episode 3 for Do You Take This Man, the Mr. Metaxas episode. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. I think the funniest part of this is that Humphreys goes to follow him into the gents. Well, uh, I'll say this, too, because if you notice, like, he, he goes to Captain Peacock, and it's funny because you can't say 
go to the loo or go to the toilet because that's too improper. So you have to right, say... Right, like, like Lucy couldn't be pregnant. Right, so you have to say, I want to go. But you have to, like, mouth the word go. So he couldn't right. say, where's the men's because that's so improper, right? So he's asking Captain Peacock, excuse me, I just have a little bit of a problem. And then you can see him get really close to his ear and kind of whisper, and you, you can't hear what he's saying. But then as... As you can hear Captain Peacock say, oh, it's up the stairs. He gives this very gay look of thankfulness to Captain Peacock. I, I noticed that this time. Where he, he kind of camped it up. And then he kind of like sauntered up the stairs. And that is when Mr. Humphreys says, oh, I have to go follow him too. Kind of cheeky of Mr. Humphreys there. Go too on, much Humps. time at Swan and Edgar. Go on, Humps. Do your thing. Yeah. Um, so Humphrey starts to concoct this ruse in order to let Lucas off the floor. So he starts stepping on the hose to uh, prompt Captain Peacock's bladder. <laughs> Peacock dashes off. Lucas goes to another uh, another restroom, and we cut over to the ladies. And Mrs. Slocum is recounting her evening where she went home with the man from the pub um, because it was raining and it's 15p on the bus, you know. So, <laughs> and she you had know, a fabulous, like, lilac hair. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it seems that she'll be a, a good time just for a ride home, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. She didn't really know him that well, but he did send a few port lemons down the bar, which sounds disgusting. So I don't know me. if that's like a cocktail name or is that like a pre-mixed no, she, thing or is it literally no, she's port talking about and lemon? Port wine with lemon. Uh, like, I'm not a fan of port wine to begin with. Oh, but it's like, some good stuff, though. I mean, you know, I don't know. Could be good. Let us know. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Anyway, he asked her in for a nightcap, and it wasn't until he actually produced a nightcap and a nightgown that she realized what he was after. And Miss Brom says, well, I hope you asked him to take you straight home. And she said, yes, eventually. Ding, 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 ding. So. And she did, that's one of the are you being servedisms that I do with my friend Jimmy. Eventually. Yeah. Just like that, like exasperated, you know, so good. Love it. Uh. Mr. Mash arrives um, with yet another display unit for Mr. Granger, and it is the cami shirt. Yay, point of display. You know, they were almost a sponsor this week. They were almost a sponsor this week. We couldn't, we thought they might negotiations be able to, just fell through. It's no good. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they couldn't get their order to Northern Mississippi in time, um, and it just didn't work I-40 out. I-40 so, is very you know, congested. It's a whole thing. You can't do it. We would like to thank the good people at the cami shirt company for considering us. Thank and, you. Maybe there'll be another product in the future that they can push. Uh, anyway, <laughs> one of the reasons why There this, are many more uh, things they can push in the future. <laughs> Trust us. <laughs> well done. Um, so, obviously, this sight gag is funny because the boxers wriggle down and expose the mannequin's buttocks. Oh. But the other reason is that um, in English slang, um, your shirt tails uh, have another connotation because one of the slurs for a gay man is a shirt flap lifter. Because if you imagine someone who is untucking someone's shirt tails to have access to their rear end and let your imagination do the, do the rest. We do have an explicit tag on our podcast. So um, you have to be 18. And if you're not, you should go tell your mommy that you shouldn't get the internet. Um, and, how, <laughs> and Jeff and I, we actually we had a quick chat before we started recording the podcast. How do we both know this term? Because unless we saw a very specific film... Yeah. We would have never known. So uh, my, my point is, if you're an American like we were, and I, when I was a kid, I didn't get the joke at all. 
But now as an adult putting everything together, I'm like, I see why they're laughing. Before, I, I didn't understand why it was so funny with like that weird little shimmy, shimmy, shimmy fall, shimmy, shimmy fall. What was that about? Yeah. So shirt flap lifter, the term where we both and uh, uh, learned it from is yeah. there's a, a gay coming of age film from 1995 ish mm-hmm. um, yeah. called called Beautiful Thing, which is based on a play by a uh, play by Jonathan Harvey. Yep. And it's about two uh, teenage boys living on a council estate in Thamesmead in South London. Yep. Um, very much working class, um, and they both realize that they're gay and they fall in love. And, and it's so a happy it's, ending, which is such a rare is, thing. Like in the nineties, well, it is it is a R rated movie, not an X rated movie. Yes. So it's not that kind of happy ending. Oh, no, exactly. Um, See, I, it's so yeah, innocent that my mind didn't even go there, Jeff. <laughs> But it, 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 it it's true. It, it is, you know, in the 90s, it was very rare to see um, gay people prominently featured in media that it didn't feature one of them dying of AIDS or one of them... Or murdered or something. Murdered or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the, the story ends up having a happy ending. Um, if you have not seen it, please run out oh and find God. it immediately. Yeah. Um, it will tug at your heartstrings and... Um, It'll also give you some great more. It'll give you a great dose of anglophilia. Yeah, and, um, there's there's an inoculation for that. Um, <laughs> I will say that maybe and now I'm kind of putting th- things together in my head, which is what's so cool about the podcast. I was watching Are You Being Served religiously, and then this movie came out when I was uh, 14, 15 or so. I, I remember I was the age of the characters on the screen, which was cool, and. They uh, are from the east of London, and they're very working class. South, 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 of, south London, yes. East, southeast, whatever. Uh, around, like, Greenwich, but, like, they speak very, very uniquely. And the thing about Britain, and even neighborhoods in, um, in London, they speak very differently depending on where they are. So if, yeah. you're, if you're an American watching them film for the first time, you will not understand about 30% of what they say. Just because they use words like paka. What the hell does paka mean? Just all of these things. So, um. Butter with melt. What? Butter with melt. Yes. Yeah. Very, yeah, yeah no, very, very, cool. very South London accents there. And the, the woman who plays the mother, Linda Henry, um, she, she's a very well known celebrated actress. And one of the things that she went on to do was, um, a, a TV show called Bad Girls which is set so in a women's good. prison. Such a good series. So good. And she, um, she uh, continues her uh, South London accent there, but a bit more posh because all of her crimes have netted her money, so she's a little new money there. But, and now um, she's playing in EastEnders, which is like probably the one or second best, most popular show in Britain right now. Second. It's still, it's, Corey's always going to be number one. Yeah, anyway, so well, yep. uh, that does suit Coronation Street. Welcome back. That does suit Coronation Street. That does suit Bad Girls. That does suit <laughs> Beautiful Thing. Um, yep. Why don't we head on down to the canteen for a tea break? I am starving. What are you going to get? So usually we use this to do a bit about one of the foods that they have on the show, but... I don't know about you. Um, I actually eat the food, Jeff. I don't know about yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that being in lockdown right now uh, for someone who travels over to the UK several times a year. I'm really missing a lot of my friends and a lot of the 
the, the things that I get over there and enjoy over there. So um, right now I'm feeling really nostalgic for this very specific thing. And it's you know going to sound so trite, but um, Innocent Foods, uh, which is a division of Coca-Cola, they make um, drinks, you know, like fresh press, well, not fresh, but uh, real juices and 100% juices, things like okay. that. Yeah. And they make this blue spirulina juice um, that's called Bolt. And it is so fruity and sweet flavored, but it's not like filled with sugar. Mm, um, yeah. And they don't make it in the States and they don't sell it in any of the export stores. So oh, no. If I was in London, that's what I'd be having right now. I want a Mr. Kipling's Cherry Bakewell Tart. Ooh. If you've been to Britain to a grocery store or supermarket Ooh. and you've had one, it's so good. So let's, let, let us nip on down to the Mississippi Canteen here and, um, <laughs> at our Mississippi, northern Mississippi headquarters. Uh, we'll say hi to the call center folks and uh, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And And you've you've all done done very well. And we're back. Hello. Hey. So, um, what, where, where, what's going on in the episode, Jeff? So, the whole point of this episode is that a suggestion box night, and they're going to um, look through whatever suggestions came through, find out what uh, could be done for a mutual benefit of both the store and the employees because they get a commission on anything they sell. Uh, Peacock explains that to the team. Uh, Rumbled comes in after being late because he's looking for the box, which Lucas already brought in, and he starts to reiterate the whole introduction, right? Um, then they can't find the key for the suggestion box, and Miss um, Brahms ends up uh, picking it with a hairpin. And Mr. Lucas is, you know, oh, I'm glad I wasn't married to you during the Crusades. You'd have been out of your chastity belt before I got to Dover. Oh. So I thought was pretty, pretty funny, right? <laughs> so uh, what do we find inside the suggestion box? Well, we get a piece of pork pie, which was obviously Mr. Granger's. He's always eating pork pies. I don't know what that's about. And leaving half of them somewhere, which is disgusting. <laughs> so gross. Um, pork pies. Uh, have you ever had a pork pie? I haven't, actually, because I'm not a big fan of savory pastries. It's, uh, it's funny. I, at my canteen, I had a uh, break. I had a bake oil, a cherry bake oil tart. So it's it's... It's like a little pastry with, like, pork in the middle of it, but the pastry part is really, like, fatty. To preserve it, they have, like, beef yeah. pork fat. 
kind of saturating the pastry bit. So it's really heavy. So you can have like a little tiny one. A lot of times, uh, I think it was at um, Charing Cross Station where you pick up the National Rail or wherever that is. You often see people like buying little pork pies for their trip because it's yeah. like a lot of food and fits in your pocket. Um, they're not and, the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also get a suggestion that Mr. Rumble do something physically impossible with the suggestion box, um, which is hysterical that Captain Peacock phrased it that it. way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also hear that increased sales would be obtained if the entire floor was devoted to menswear signed E. Granger. Uh, he we is get unanimous a, in that. Uh, we get another letter. Dear sirs, is this the economist? Um, sales in the ladies' section could and would be improved by the removal of men's trousers and underwear. Of course. Uh, I love how, like, Granger and, and Slocum are like, we're just going to war at each other the whole right. season. Right. And then we get um, a bawdy little poem uh, <gasps> that's unsigned but in Mr. Lucas's handwriting, uh, which is not technically a limerick because it doesn't meet the rhyme scheme, but it's close. Uh, if you're wanting to sell ladies' knickers, here's a gimmick that's brimming with fun. Get Miss Brums to wear a very brief pair, and we'll all have a look at her one by one. Not bum. <laughs> you dirty, dirty, unanimous people. You explained the joke. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Anyway, so the, the, none of the suggestions are any good, and they're all trying to figure out how to improve the image of Grace Brothers with no budget. I want to jump in. So when when... Mrs. Slocum, her suggestion starts, Dear Sirs, sales in the ladies' section could be improved by removal of the trousers, right? It was a thing back in the day to any time you would write to a company, you would always start a letter. And this is so crazy. You would always address it, Dear Sirs. Well, that's why I asked, you know, is she writing to The Economist? Because if you look at their, uh, their um, uh, letter, their, their mailbag page... Yeah. That's how people still write to them. I know, and it, it goes back to like in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whenever, that boards of directors would always be men. So anytime, and there were no women. So what do you I mean used back to, then? That's still the case today. Well, no, it's true. You're absolutely right. But um, I used to work at this company when I was a kid, like in my 20s, and it was a really old-fashioned company, and they had lots of old people, like 90-year-olds who would write and stuff. And a lot of their letters to like our team would be addressed, Dear Sirs. And it, I was like the only guy there. It was so weird. Mm. So don't write your letters, Dear Sirs. That's all I'm saying. Like so they're, tr- they're, they're trying to figure out how to have this, how to improve the image of the store without spending any budget. And Miss, Mrs. Slocum says, you know, the whole place looks like it came out of the ark. Um, it needs bringing up to date. And this is what I was talking about earlier, that just last episode they redecorated. So why <laughs> yeah. are they talking about it again? Anyway, they, just, they all start to agree and decide that going something with that 20s look um, from the uh, Great Gatsby era is a good idea. And so they get the idea that with no money, what they'll just do is play music over the, uh, the, the um, intercom, the, the, the music system. And so they start thinking about songs from the era, and Captain Peacock gives us a line of the Al Jolson song, Mammy. Um, Which we hear in a later episode. Which we do here in two episodes, right? Yeah. We, anyway, um, Al Jolson, for those of you who don't know, was a blackface minstrel uh, in the movie that's named after the song. 
Um, he did not popularize this song. It was first performed by William Frawley, who you may yeah. also know as Fred Mertz from I Love Lucy. I did not know that. And Fred Mertz did it in Blackface too. So and Al Jolson's um, the jazz singer was yep. the first soundy. No, what was that called? The soundsy movie, the movie with with audio. Not a, the, not a talkie. Is what not I mean. a talkie. Is what I'm trying. My brain is not really knowing what yeah. to do. But yeah, um, and it's funny because I mentioned in a couple episodes, many episodes ago, because this is episode 17 or 18 now. Um, a lot of the fashions in the 70s, if you think of like disco divas and like um, Donna Summer, they all really romanticized and really loved the 1920s, 40s looks. Well, you know th- that, I mean? that's come back several times. Like there was a 20s revival in the late 90s. Um, and there Zoot was a, suits and stuff. Right. And then there was another 20s revival maybe about 10 years ago um, when when um, The Great Gatsby movie came out, the one with oh, um, right. Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, th- those kinds of things, they, they skip generations. I feel like there are revivals every 20 years or so. Because right, na- right now, um, a lot of the things that I wore as an undergrad are, st- you know, the fashion of the late 90s era is Four starting to Four years ago. <laughs> is starting to, you know, resurge again. But, you know, with... With pandemic um, couture, who it's all going to be pajamas and sweatpants from here on out, right? Oh uh, yeah. So it's funny because like the the baggy look was so gross, and now it's back again. But it's just pajama bottoms now. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Mrs. Slocum has a realization that one of the things that makes her want to buy is when she's in a supermarket and she hears from our sponsor, Bing, frozen foods, peas are down today. And Bing. so they get the idea to have a voice um, pushing the goods, you know, listing what are the things that are on offer that week. Um, and so Mr. Rumbled takes hold of the idea, as he always does. My idea of a My idea, yeah. <laughs> is a great idea. Um, we're not going to be able to afford professionals, so we'll just have to get one of you to do it. No one volunteers. Oh. I'm sure we could arrange a small fee, and they all rush, they all uh, want in to do it because they all want that <laughs> yeah. extra pocket money. And they're all making the case for why they should be the ones who are selected. And Ms. Brahm offers, well, we women can speak just as well as what you men can. And, you know, in that horrible... So cute. Horrible grammar of hers. Um, Rumbled decides that he's going to have auditions in his office tomorrow and let young Mr. Grace decide, right? Hmm. So the next day, uh, everyone's arriving and we see Mr. Humphreys is over-enunciating when he's saying hello to Mr. Mash, but his... Voice is a little garbled because he's got some marbles in his mouth to help improve his diction. Right. Around the rugged rocks, the ragged rascal ran. That's really I could not difficult say to say that. that right? I could not say that. No. Um, Mr. Slocum. Oh, did people really do that? Did people really put marbles in their mouth? Absolutely. And is that well, the, the received pronunciation kind of thing we've talked about a lot on the show? Well, it's not about, it's not about received pronunciation, but anyone who needs to practice their diction or be um, heard clearly will do vocal warm-ups like that. You know, they'll do exercises where they'll make sure that their lips and their jaw are all, you know, loosened up. Um, Mm. For those of you, obviously you can't see me, I'm, you know, making faces (laughs) when I'm talking to Brandon. He looks like a marionette right now. Um, (laughs) It's funny because, like, all my British friends, they say, um, 
you know, we Brits are very lazy when we speak. We, we don't want to go through all the trouble of moving our jaw more than absolutely is necessary. So a lot of times they'll say words like, instead of, isn't it, they'll say, in it. In it. In it. So that maybe that's what the marbles were trying to address a little yeah. bit. Well, I mean, it's also, you know, people will put a cork in their mouth and hold it in their teeth to try and, like, get their mouth around the cork to make sure that... Um, they're enunciating all of their consonants and vowels and diphthongs and monophthongs And all, all of the unanimous now. Did you try, did you open your teeth a little bit to picture a cork between your teeth <laughs> like I did? I did. I bet you did too. Mrs. Slocum comes in doing her me, ma, moo vocal warm-up. <laughs> and a dog in Brandon's apartment building is also doing yeah. his vocal warm-ups. He's, he's trying, man. He's like, <laughs> I want to get on the podcast. My favorite is Tittles. Um... <laughs> Mr. Lucas greets Mrs. Slocum, with, who is wearing a lovely brown overcoat with How Now Brown Cow. Famous little long used dare to. Uh, and then he goes into the tongue twister, I am not a pheasant plucker, I'm a pheasant plucker's mate. Uh, which if you say it, too quickly, say it too quickly, you'll have a spoonerism and end up swearing at someone. Um, it turns Just out... Tisk. It turns out that Miss Brahms auditioned by reading a chapter of Valley of the Dolls um, and Rumbled asked to keep the book, which is hysterical that he was titillated by it. And I think it's quite a shame that we didn't get Miss Brahms putting on her posh imitation, like when she pretends to be uh, <laughs> Lavinia Stableforth. Right. Yes, and her friends call her Bucky. You know, <laughs> I just came back from Monte Carlo and I lost 20,000 pounds. So good. Um, Mr. Rumble introduces Miss Thorpe as his new secretary. And I know. she's been on the last two episodes. Well, she was the temporary secretary that he would always chide her oh, about when she would make a mistake. True. This is my temporary secretary. So maybe she Thorpe. maybe she passed the probationary period and now she's full time. Where she had to like uh, walk on um, what was the thing uh, from last episode that Mr. Humphrey says? It's part of the the it, the intake oh, bend, process. O- bend over backwards. Where she had to bend over backwards. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah. Back outside on the floor, Mr. Humphreys is trying on a morning suit for the wedding tomorrow. And right? he looks very dashing. Very, very dashing. He gets a polite applause break. It's not like they're reacting to wearing poom uh, poom shorts or, or the pink <laughs> shower cap. Yeah. Um, he made Mr. Lucas measure his inside leg four times before he was satisfied. I'm sure he got a lot of satisfaction after that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, He's inspecting the morning jacket, and he's like, you know, I think these sleeves are a little bit too long. And Mr. Granger, without missing a beat, don't worry, the sleeves will ride up with wear. <laughs> well, there's no need to lie to me. I work here. I work here. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. Young Mr. Grace comes out on the floor, and he flubs a line. You know, he says, you're looking smart this morning, Mr. Humphreys. Well, it's the end of the day. Because you know, we just heard uh, Captain Peacock chide Mr. Humphreys for changing out of his work clothes before the bell oh, goes. Oh, Jeff, give young Mr. Grace a break. Come on now. Shame. In the end, young Mr. Grace doesn't <laughs> choose any of the staff to do the announcement, probably because he didn't want to pay the fee. Right. And chooses his own voice. And he starts listing everything for sale in the store. Um, the 20s music starts to swell and play. So and we see Humphreys start to do a little bit of a, lift, a dance with the lift girls, which is cute. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Miss Thorpe and Miss Brahms are kind of rocking back and forth in the background. Um, young Mr. Grace tries to do the bee's knees, and Lucas has to hold him up. <laughs> it's so sweet, yeah. It, it's, it's funny, because it's not Goddard who's usually holding him up, which is great. 
Um, and Lucas comments, ah, it's Sunday night at the Palladium all over again. So here we get, you know, in the last episode, the pally, we talked about right? the Pally. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. a little bit, we got it right. That's what we were talking about. It was probably about. the most popular place in the world in London in 1975. So they referenced it all the time. It's your local Pally, yeah. yeah. And at the end of the episode ends with um, Humphreys and the Lift Girls continuing to do their, their dance. And as the dance is ending, we get scrolling credits. We don't get the usual end title cards where the staff is posing with a prop or something. Someone had something extra in the budget and they had to sit, spend it some way, Jeff. You know, yeah. So may, maybe because they wanted to show the rest of the dance rather than those kind of static frozen poses. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that could be it too. Else. Yeah. yeah. But anyway... We have a special surprise at the end though, don't we? Anyway, all of the uh, people are... All of the dancers are dancing off. That's how they're taking their leave from the stage. Yeah. And as they go up the stairs, Mr. Humphreys runs back grabs Goddard by the hand and leads him away. And we see Goddard giving like a little gasp that he's, you know, uh, excited and surprised about this. Mr. Humphreys likes a man in uniform. He has that lovely gray thing going, doesn't he? He does. He does have that that workman's uniform. So who knew that Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Goddard, a couple, a secret clandestine relationship, maybe? Or he just needed a lift to the wedding. Oh, yeah. The well, it's 15p, you know, to get it's on that bus. It's 15p on the bus, yeah. <laughs> so it was really cute. This, this, at the ending of this episode, especially the way they kind of leapt off the, the screen, um, the stage, it felt like a play to me. You know, whenever they do like a little well, dance. all of their TV shows are yeah, like they, it, it feels very, and of course, you know, they went up to Blackpool, which is sort of like the British Las Vegas, kind of. Um, it's hard to <laughs> like as soon as I said that I'm like it's nothing way, like but, Vegas, but but it's it's a resort town. It's a yeah, resort it's a resort town, town and like yeah. people go to vacation there, and like so they actually took was it German Week, and they performed it live on stage, like yeah. the entire cast. Um, so I don't know. It's a kind of an interesting. It feels very like theatrical, especially this end. And whenever they do a big song and dance, and if you notice during the scene with the um, suggestion box. Um, they burst into song, like the three guys at the end of the table. They just oh. burst into song, which feels very theatrical. And like a lot of the, uh, like Mr. Rumble, Nicholas Smith, could play like five or six instruments. Mr. Captain Peacock can play the piano. So they're all just really talented song and dance and, and acting people. Yeah. You know, so they're really cool. We're really lucky to have gotten these this crew to be on the show. Our favorite yeah. show. Yeah. So um, that's the episode, and uh, next week we'll be talking about Christmas Crackers, which is the very first Christmas special, and this is the one where they dress up as characters from fairy tales, oh, and we get another song and dance at God. the end of that episode. So good. I'm really wanting to explain what Christmas Crackers were, because I had no freaking idea what it was when I was a kid, Save but I'm it going for to next wait week. next week. Next Save week. it. So, good episode. If you want to be a super fan like Sean... Uh, you can get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter, or you can write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an e at gmail.com. Or you can call us on the hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That is 662-732-2625. Yeah. 
All right, another episode. We'll see you folks at Christmas Crackers next week. Thanks, Unanimous. Bye. Bye. That Does Seek Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, although it should be, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? Avoid extreme temperatures and store in a cold place.